Hello, my name is Alan Knapp, and I'm an editor for Functional Ecology, and today I'm visiting with Scott Ferenberg with the U.S. Geological Survey in Moab, Utah. Scott is the lead author on a paper titled, Smooth Bark Surfaces Can Defend Trees Against Insect Attack, Resurrecting a Slippery Hypothesis. Scott is also this year's recipient of the Haldane Young Investigators Prize, awarded each year to the best paper in functional ecology written by a young author. So, Scott, welcome to the podcast, and congratulations on the paper, and especially on the award. Thank you. I very much appreciate it. So the purposes of these podcasts are, of course, to um, give folks a chance to learn a bit more about the background of your paper and, and, and discuss, you, discuss with you in a bit more detail the paper. So let me begin with asking you a couple of general questions. And let's begin by asking you to give us some background um, on this smooth arc defense hypothesis, a hypothesis I was unaware of prior to reading your paper. And, and I, I like the title of your paper. Perhaps you could tell us why this hypothesis needed to be resurrected. Sure, yeah. I, uh, like yourself, I was unaware of the history of this hypothesis, and I stumbled upon it as a result of some uh, interest out of observations I had of uh, insects attacking trees. Uh, and sort of at the basis, uh, there were some ecologists, particularly in the tropics, that uh, was, were really thinking that smooth bark might be an evolved defense against insects and epiphytic vegetation. And I think their thinking there was that with these smoother texture, insects and vegetation would have difficulty staying on a tree's uh, stem and limbs for long enough to do harm. Uh, and I found that that hypothesis fell from favor after some tests showed that smooth bark really did not have a negative effect on the density of lianas and other vines or epiphytes in tropical regions. But I couldn't find any indication that anyone had ever tested it against insects or arthropods of any type. And so I was really interested in doing that uh, because I've noticed some pines uh, in the Colorado Rocky Mountains that were undergoing some bark beetle attacks, uh, and their neighbors, which were smoother, were not being attacked. And so that's really where I got interested, and why I wanted to resurrect the hypothesis was because I didn't think anybody had really tested it properly when it came to insects. So the, so the central question of your paper is how a bark smoothness versus roughness would influence uh, the successful or lack of success for insect attacks. Can, can you tell us a bit about the approach you used and the, and the key findings of your research? Sure, yes. The, the approach was kind of a twofold thing, and uh, it was inspired just by, and I have a real interest in these, in these five needle pines, which we commonly call white pines in Western North America, and it's a, the white pine group. And there's some of our more charismatic species with the ancient bristle cones and some of these things that are just really renowned for their, uh, their beauty and their age and uh, I was exploring some of these, and I noticed that smooth bark trees tended to be surviving these really intense bark beetle epidemics. And these epidemics of native bark beetles have been going on uh, across Western North America, far into Canada, all to the panhandle of Alaska from the border of the United States and Mexico for quite some time, in about 15 years. And there's some very unprecedented damage. Uh, and this, so it sort of gave this opportunity to... to understand some traits that would allow trees to survive these. And the approach I used was one, to find out whether I could identify a mechanism that might, that might generate a defense, um, but smooth bark, how smooth bark might <laughs> defend a tree. Sorry, stumbling a bit there. And secondly, I did a lot of field surveying to understand how widely spread this defense might be. And the approach for the mechanism was to capture live bark beetles uh, by trapping them in pheromone uh, lures, with lures and then putting them onto trials on smooth and rough bark. Uh, so each beetle got a chance on smooth bark and each beetle got a chance on rough bark. And the goal was to see whether they could grip the tree, walk around, and whether they could start chewing on the bark. 
And it was very obvious on the smooth bark that they didn't do very well. They fell off the tree within a minute. Uh, you know, the very, very poor performance when trying to walk on smooth bark. Uh, but on the rough bark, they didn't really have any trouble. They could walk around, they could sample the bark. A number of them began chewing in as if they were going to start reproductive galleries. And so we really got this sense uh, that smooth bark was inhibiting the attack of these insects that are specialized to go to crawl on and attack tree stems simply by making it difficult for them to grip on and find a good place to get into the tree. And the second part of this, that larger survey, was to do some extensive uh, extensive surveys across the front range of Colorado in places where bark beetles had attacked and killed trees to find out if we could see a relationship between the density of bark beetle attacks and the percent coverage of smooth versus rough bark on a tree stem. And of course, we found a really striking relationship that as a tree gets, as trees get rougher bark, the density of insect attack really goes up rapidly. So one of the one you had a lot of interesting findings, but one that particularly interested me is that you pointed out that as trees grew older and larger, um, the amount of smooth bark decreases basically, and then of course that means the amount of rough bark is increasing, and this uh, increases their susceptibility to beetle attack. Is, is there any reason why rough textured bark should actually increase on older, larger trees? You know, we've, that's a question that we've been very interested in since the beginning of this, and we're still exploring it. And observation, our observations in the field seem to suggest that trees tend to get rougher bark as they get bigger, uh, potentially as a physical support, and also to allow some flexing around the stem. And so to really get into the, um, the, the, gritty, the nit and gritty of this, in a sense, we were watching trees during the winter months when it gets really windy in the Colorado Front Range. And we noticed the trees with smooth bark, as they flexed, the bark would be cracking in a way that would expose some phloem and interior xylem. Uh, and presumably when, it, when the spring months come around and uh, insects and bacteria are going to be more abundant and able to grow a little bit faster, that would leave these trees susceptible to infection. Whereas the rough bark doesn't seem to expose that sort of uh, interior tissue. So we're really thinking that the trees get rough as a mixture of uh, allowing them to defend themselves, but also to physically support their weight and these pressures that come from snowdrift and wind. And so that's that's what we're thinking right now, but we, we have really haven't gotten to work on testing those hypotheses in the field, but that's something we'd really like to do in the near future. So uh, another hypothesis I've, I've read about, I'm a grassland ecologist, not a forest ecologist, is that as these trees get older and slower growing, they become more susceptible because they just can't fend off the beetle attacks as well. Um, they're essentially less vigorous. Uh, is, is this is this mechanism consistent also with your bark mechanism, or are are they uh, the antithesis of each other? Can, can you can you uh, compare these two to each other? Yeah, no, I think they really work and uh, work together. Um, in, in not that you know one does not preclude the other, and there's a lot of evidence that as conifers get older, they start to have a sort of a natural senescence in uh, resin defenses, which is the primary defense against uh, bark beetles across the trees. Uh, and the same seems to be true of the bark texture. As they get older, they start to lose this, this smoothness, which would m move them into a, a, a rougher texture and allow bark beetles to get onto their stem and make them more susceptible. And what we've been really excited about is that even some of the, some of the old, really large trees with lots of rough bark around the base tend to still have smooth bark high up on the upper stems, on the leading, on the leading growing stems and on the limbs. And it's been noted for decades that bark beetles tend to only attack around the trunk and, and lower stem of these trees, and no one's really understood why. There's, there's never been a good mechanism for that, because there's a lot of biomass being missed by these beetles in the higher parts of the tree. 
And so we're starting to get a sense maybe that these things work together and, and that the bark texture can still be defensible in some parts of the tree even as the trunk is getting rougher. Um, and again, we're very excited about that and we look forward to getting some tests in the field to, to start looking into those hypotheses. So one last question. You, it, towards the end of your paper, you mentioned the need for, for more field studies of bark texture as well as genetic studies. Can, can you elaborate a bit on where you might be going from here in the future? Yeah, we've been really excited by some breakthroughs in recent years in people and starting to, to find good genetic correlates to resin defenses in conifers. And we would like to sort of move this work with smooth texture in that direction to really understand whether there's some good genetic correlations or local evidence of local adaptation and how long uh, trees retain smooth bark. Because as you walk along the landscape and you, and you look at this trait, you do see variation from place to place in how large a tree might be and how smooth its bark might be. So it really suggests some sort of age or growth related interactions that might be signals of local, local adaptation. And that would be really exciting um, sort of work for us to get into is to be able to do some common garden experiments and some genomic work to sort of tease this apart. And that, that's what we're referring to. And I think that's really the, the sort of next wave, the most important next step we could uh, get into. But we, we haven't been able to get started on that just yet, but we look forward to it. Well, thanks very much, Scott, for visiting with me. It, it's a great paper. Congratulations again on winning the award. And we'll look forward to reading more of your work in the future. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Bye-bye.